Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Well, Jay. It's another session of Tech Talk, buddy. We're back, man. We it was like yesterday. We, we had our last session, but it wasn't yesterday. It was last week. It was last week. That's absolutely right. You know what? I, we've got a great show today. Uh, yes, we do. A good friend of both of ours. We, we've, I know at Infinity have had a relationship with uh, Mr. Mark Abla for a long time. He's at the Illinois Chiropractic Society. He is really a go-getter. He, uh, he is a researcher. He is an educator. And and just an amazing all-around guy. We see him every now and then across the United States. But uh, Mark, welcome to Tech Talk today. I'm just uh, actually thrilled to be here with both of you. And, and uh, I, I've told you both of this before, and I tell other people, but I, I hold you both in incredibly high esteem. Uh, maybe I'm setting the bar too high, but yes, uh, you yes. are for sure. Uh, yes, you are. Or maybe sure. I'm setting it too low, right? Um, one or the other. But uh, no, it's it's great to hear uh, to be here and and to chat with you both about uh, what I think is is something that's pretty exciting for me. Yeah, and and speaking of exciting, we were a little concerned that you were not going to be able to kind of connect with us today because you were having Wi-Fi issues. But finally, I suggested that you stop streaming porn, yeah, stop no. streaming porn in the background, Mark, and your Wi-Fi will be fine. You did it. And look, look it's, you're clear as day. He's four yeah, by four. That's, yes, <laughs> yes. No, I, I actually, we're, we're working remotely right now. And so my, my internet at home has had never any problems. I happen to be in the office today. And of By course, yourself. Yep. We yeah, know. Cover himself now. Now we know. See, Mark, what you get whenever you ask to be on the show. Oh, you know, my we, goodness. <laughs> No, no this just... this is the show that's supposed to be reserved for Cindy Howard, right? This is this is that's her episode. We're on a different episode. Cindy is the <laughs> queen of Tech Talk. Um, there is no question about that. Her uh, her episode is two to one over everybody else. Now, Mark, we're just teasing. For no, all no, those it's... out there in in Radio Land, Mark Jay and I, Jay and I are just pulling on Mark's leg here. Uh, he's a great guy to uh, to give into that. We're we're really here for a reason today, and one of one of the reasons is uh, some new laws that came into place, new legislation called uh, the Cures Act, not the Cares Act. Let's don't get that mixed up, but the Cures Act. And and Mark has really gone way above and beyond in educating his docs in his society about the Cures Act. We've been talking about it. Jay and I have been talking about it for the last year of how it's going to impact and change healthcare across the United States. And it, and it is a, a humongous, humongous, it is a large opportunity for the chiropractic world to really get in and, and take a bigger slice of the patient world uh, to follow to that. So today we're going to be talking with Mark about the Cures Act and um, Jay, what 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 do you? Let's open this up and and start talking to Mark. What what do you say about the Cures Act? Well, I think it's it's a it's a long time coming. That's what I would say. But before we get into the advantages. Um, and how it's going to benefit not only the chiropractic profession, but most importantly, the patients that we serve. 
Mark, maybe you could, because you, you had reached out to us and, and you know, wanted to, to, to talk to us about this particular issue and its impact on chiropractic. But I would love it if you wouldn't mind just sharing with the audience, you know, what, what, the, what the Cures Act is and, and why it's so important. And, then, and why, as, a, as an executive director of, you know, one of the best state associations in chiropractic, why you felt it was so important to help get the word out? Yeah, so it's interesting because this thing passed in 2016 that had a bunch of different components and way down at, I think it was like section four of, of the law that was passed was this, was this portion that deals with uh, information blocking and interoperability. And we, and we can talk about that here in a little bit, but um, at the end of the day, when we start to look at both of those things, two things really come out and stand out for the chiropractic profession that, that give us, I guess, concern and also hope. Um, and that is the altruistic side for the profession, which is how is this going to positively impact um, our patients, um, how we do business, and the chiropractic profession as a whole as well. And then the other side of it, which is how do we comply with the requirements uh, that, that are a part of this whole thing. So from an association perspective, we always want to equip our doctors with a practical way to be able to comply, right? so that we can also reach for the stars and make sure that we can uh, uh, utilize the benefits of something like this uh, for the good of the profession. And, and, and as you stated, Jay, the, the good of our patients mm-hmm. um, is really paramount and, and what big data is going to bring to the table. Uh, but I think it's got some really cool stuff for the profession, and, but we have to comply. And if we don't comply, then we realize none of the benefits of what it brings to the table. So what are, the, what are the major obstacles you see right now, or what are the major process steps you think need to be put into place by providers to help them comply? Wow. Um, that's about the $20 million question, right? Uh, and I think the, the way that your and my conversation started was a quick text that I just shot you. I think I was sitting on my couch, as a matter of fact, and I popped you a text and said, hey, what do you know about the Cures Act? And, and we just had a really brief exchange, and then I asked what about the EHR companies? What are you hearing? And I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest obstacles that I, that I have a fear about is that, um, that the chiropractic-centric uh, EHR companies um, may not necessarily uh, build the capability as quickly as what our doctors may need to be able to comply with the, uh, uh, with the regulations uh, that they'll have to, sure. uh, at least not easily. They, they, they may be able to, but it's going to be a bit of a, uh, a limp-along process. Yeah, I think it's going to be much easier for the cloud-based systems like Genesis. We had Brian Capper on a couple of weeks ago, but it's going to be much easier for the cloud-based systems to comply and help the doctors be compliant than it will for the server-based systems. I mean, the the, the ability to 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 leverage cloud-based technology is 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 substantially better to comply than it is in a server-based system. I, I don't know how the server-based systems are going to do it. And maybe Brad, you, you've got some technological insight to that. Well, the server-based systems, again, are going to take, you know, uh, updates, patches to be able to do that, maybe even revisioning, which is a big, big deal for a a server-based system. Cloud-based, absolutely, is going to be much easier. But can we, let's step back one step for just a second, guys, and talk a little bit. We're, We're talking about interoperability and data blocking. Mark, just for those that are out there listening to us that might not fully understand what those two terms mean, can you just define those a little bit better for us? Yeah, so I'll try not to give the technical term because, Brad, you, you probably will be able to do that a heck of a lot better than I, I could. I'll, I'll put it in layman's terms, which more fits me. 
um, and where we live. But information blocking is kind of the, in a sense, it's a reverse of our mindset from HIPAA. You know, HIPAA says, don't share, don't share, don't share, don't share, protect, protect, protect. Um, and I'm not saying eliminate privacy because that privacy is still paramount and is actually a specific exception to this. But when we talk about information blocking, it's more shifting our mindset to how can we share this data more readily, more easily, more available to the patients and potentially even with research groups. And so uh, the information blocking prevents uh, both providers and IT professionals who are developing uh, uh, EHR, certified EHR um, from blocking the ability uh, to have access to that data. So they're, they're, that's information blocking, I think, in a nutshell. Um, interoperability is probably the easiest ways to say it's the ease of sharing information between systems. Um, you know, in, in today's world, a lot of the hospitals are a part of uh, health information exchanges uh, so that doctors on any realm uh, inside of a particular area can, can access medical records uh, regardless of whatever health system that uh, the patient may be a part of. Uh, it serves the patient better because, you know, you don't have to wait on medical records. You don't have to look for these things. And, and pretty much everything is there. At times, some of these systems would not allow chiropractic physicians to be a part of them. Well, the Cures Act, through the interoperability section, this actually requires that they no longer exclude chiropractic physicians. And, and I use us as a specific example, but no, no longer exclude some way simply because of what provider type that you know that they may be uh, so for us that's a good thing because we can be included not just from an access standpoint but also then on the flip side um, also being able to contribute so our, our medical records would then become a part of the exchange so that so that other physicians would be able to see what's happening uh, in our doctor's offices so interoperability would be just that ability to be able to communicate that health information easily across a lot of platforms for the patient that's going to manifest a little bit differently, right? So that they can access that using any app that they want to on their phone or on their computer, whatever it might be, um, that they can they can access this data, uh, uh, whether it be from uh, with Epic in the, in the local hospital or or through uh, uh, you know whatever Genesis uh, to use that as an example uh, for chiropractic specific. It, it, that that would be I think a, a layman's explanation of interoperability. Well, if we, go back so, to the, if we go back to the Affordable Care Act under President Obama, really the, the doctors were compensated to purchase EHRs and newer computers and stuff. And I believe the intent at that time was to start this interoperability, but it, it never happened. What happened was uh, groups uh, stayed within themselves. They exchanged records among themselves, but it didn't get crossed over because of the HIPAA requirements that came in. And, and really the mentality was, as you said, lock everything down, don't share, you know, turn your charts over kind of mentality. But today, because we've become, the patient has become part of it, it's become the consumerization uh, of healthcare and wanting and demanding that healthcare. And as we look at big data, we're finding that there are tremendous things to learn from it, but it's it's important to share that and for it to be interoperable with all of the patient's uh, life cycle. No longer just the primary care, no longer just the specialist, but every doctor, every healthcare provider that touches that patient, then it truly becomes interoperable. And, and that's what we're saying. And you mentioned a very important thing. I'm going to let Jay jump in after that. But you mentioned a very important It is a moment in time, in my eyes, that chi the chiropractic world gets put on an even playing field 
And those records will be included or should be included uh, across the spectrum that today they're just not. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point. And, and it's, it's kind of amazing to me that we've gone this long with the patients not having access and even control of their own healthcare record. It's kind of insane. Like they don't, and there's all these different systems. They're disparate systems, siloed systems. They don't know what their medical record says across providers. They've got no holistic view of their health records at all. It's just, it's so jacked up. So I hope that this is the first in probably a series of many steps trying to get the patient really truly at the center of the healthcare record. So I'm very excited about the, the legislation. I think it's important. I think it's going to help um, our profession. As you said, Mark, and, and as you said, Brad, putting it on a level playing field with everybody else so that we have access to their information, but also they have access to our information because many times medical providers don't know what we do. They don't understand it. Uh, but again, most importantly, that the patients will have access as well. And when we come back, I just want to share a story, a personal story of kind of what it looks like from the patient side to go through some really significant um, challenges from a health health perspective and have to deal with this lack of interoperability. I just want to share a personal story when we get back. We'll be back in just a minute. Rubber band man. Today's show is sponsored by the Illinois Chiropractic Society. If you are a chiropractic physician in Illinois and always trying to juggle business challenges with great patient care, look to the Illinois Chiropractic Society's wealth of resources, education, promotion, activism, and professional guidance to help you overcome those challenges and experience greater practice vitality. Consider the Illinois Chiropractic Society today at ilchiro.org. Come on! And the data doc of talk is Tech Talk. All right, we are back and we are here with Mr. Mark Abla and Mr. Brad Koss for Tech Talk. So I'm super excited today to have Mark here. Um, love me some Mark. He's, he's an amazing, amazing fella. He's um, a standout executive director for the Illinois Chiropractic Society. He's on the Future of Chiropractic Strategic Plan Task Force, um, and he is a leader in the chiropractic profession. Um, plus, he's a really good dude. I love hanging out with him. So, Mark, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. I just want to share a quick story with you guys um, as to like what the impact of, of of lack of interoperability really feels like, you know, my dad, um, he's, he's a two time cancer survivor. First time was esophageal cancer. Second time was prostate cancer. And we had prostate cancer. We had to take him around to all these different hospitals. We took him to NIH, we took him to Sloan. We took him to Cleveland Clinic, uh, Mayo, uh, all these other places just to get opinions. And And I remember sitting down every time he went into a new office and he had to fill out his paperwork. He didn't have access to his records at any of the previous locations he went to. There was no interoperability. There was no connection between the systems or the doctors. And here's this man dealing with his second round of cancer. And he's just got to go through the stress of dealing with this monotonous bullshit paperwork ridiculousness. 
And I just remember thinking to myself at that time, and this was God, 15 years ago, I'm like, patients need to own their own fucking healthcare records. Like this is, this is absurd. The fact that all these silos are closed down is just maddening. So I, I really am so happy that we're talking about this today, the, the concept of interoperability um, and the importance of uh, why data blocking just should not exist. So, so Brad, I know that you've got some really important questions that you want to ask Mark next. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, Mark, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you perceive. You and I've had several phone calls and conversations about this. I know it gets you, you excited, but what, what do you think the current status is with specifically the chiropractic space and then, then the future of it? What, what do you think this leads to? Yeah, so I think our current state is, is kind of where we are, right? I mean, uh, we, we need more research. We need more data. Um, if anybody knows anything about data, obviously, Brad, you and Jay are, are right on the forefront when it comes to chiropractic and understanding data and, and its critical role uh, in healthcare. And, and of course, Brad, go ahead. Yeah, but clarify that because I don't think a lot of docs understand where we are today. I, you know, I think that we have groups of docs, especially in the chiropractic world, that are in their little closed environment. Please tell us what you think the state is today. Do you agree with that statement? I mean, expound a little more on that before you jump to the future because it's important that we yeah. find this jump off spot for them to accept it and join join the crowd yeah i think it's an interesting i think it's where we are is interesting because our doctors operate uh really in their own little fiefdoms and in, in their own silos we have solo practitioners everywhere uh, and in the medical world we really don't see that as much right in the medical world we see large hospital systems they have uh, you know, in, in the Chicagoland area, we see uh, uh, the, the Aurora Advocate. And before they even merged with Aurora, um, they had like 9,500 physicians alone in their healthcare system. And they have, you know, I, I don't even know how many hospitals they have now, especially after the merger with Aurora. Um, and I don't know how many physicians they have, but it's huge. So they have this massive amount of data, um, but, you know, from, from all of their providers and their system that, that ranges, you know, all the way through uh, and, and all of their billings and all of their EHR, and all of that ends up tying together, right? So all of that data, they can actually utilize to benefit how to improve their own systems. And we see this in the chiropractic world uh, with systems like uh, you might find with Blue IQ or, or like Genesis is doing with some of their, uh, uh, with their, their interconnectivity with, you know, from crossing over into that billing plus practice management plus EHR and kind of into one package and, and being able to really analyze and see what that looks like. But we're just not really getting there because we're just looking at our own little fiefdoms, our own little small world. What the future looks like, I think, is completely different. And Brad, you do some of this. You do a lot of this, actually, with Infinity. And when our doctors uh, utilize Infinity and, and you, you're able to grab that and use that data uh, to, and, and do something with it. But the problem is you only get what you get. Uh, you only have access to the data that's available, right? What the Cures Act does is it begins to change that, right? By, by requiring that this information is shared, especially the scrub data um, and, and still protects the privacy of the patients, but by allowing it share at a higher level through whether it be APIs or, or whatever the case might be, um, getting that data is gonna make it's gonna make such a huge difference for our profession because now we can begin to really analyze um, a, a large data set instead of a single provider or a handful of single providers, or even just those who are 
uh, subscribers and, and utilize infinities in your great service, infinity in your great services. But when we can now expand it and pretty much get everything, right? Everything's going to be accessible. And so we can, we can actually begin to analyze that data and figure out where are we fantastic? Where do we hit home runs? Where do our doctors just soar? And, and, uh, um, and on the flip side, uh, if we don't participate, I think we're going to miss some of those opportunities and some of those even research. I think it'd be great to be able to sit down with some of the larger companies that, that may uh, uh, prohibit their uh, prohibit payment to chiropractic physicians for, uh, you know, for services that are rendered to their employees and sit down and say, well, we did a review of, of 50 million covered lives. And we're able to compare these particular diagnoses. And I'm assuming that in your particular business, you see a lot of this particular condition. And, and all of a sudden, we can demonstrate instant value, both, both from a healing and back-to-work value, um, because, again, we're going to be, you know, all of this ties in uh, because you have this larger data set, right, that includes even getting back to work maybe, even if it wasn't a work-related injury. But on the flip side, then we can say, and by the way, not only are they going to get back to work faster, we're going to save you money doing it, and here's 50 million covered lives worth of data that proves it. Well, you, and you've also got to think, you know, you've been speaking in the realm of probably practice management, EHR, facility kind of information, but you got to think much bigger than that. You got to think in third, fourth, and fifth dimensional uh, kind of mentalities when you talk about true interoperability. Uh, it's called the web for a reason, and it's not hierarchical anymore. So you've got to consider portals of entry at that point in time, and there are tons of portals of entry. Look at all the information you're collecting, Jay, in, in your Canvas app. Look at all the things of the phones, the uh, the iPhone apps, all the the, the wearables, uh, cardio, yeah. the wearables. Uh, you know, we've interviewed some people that have huge sources of data that now become uh, data sets in interoperability. Can we grab those people? I fully expect them to be there. Uh, you know, there's going to be some questions. Are they going to come via an EHR? Are they going to come on their own? Uh, I believe they should come on their own because I think EHRs in many cases are problems because they always are looking for how do we profit from this? How do we control that data stream? And the government has clearly said no more control. Guys, you're going to exchange. We're going to tell you you're going to exchange probably through an API call, but you're going to exchange that data. Anytime a patient makes a request, and if you're acting on their behalf, Jay, they have to give you that data. That's the law, and the fines are stiff. Yeah, it's critical. And I love the big picture thinking that we're talking about today because that big data, and I've said a million times, like own, own our own data, own our own future. Um, and, and I love the big picture that we're talking about today. But I also want to just briefly touch on kind of what this means to the individual chiropractor who is practicing in his little or her little fiefdom, what it means to them. How, how does it impact them, in your opinion, Mark? Because I see a tremendous opportunity to improve, you know, N of one patient care quality improving, you know, that one patient where we need to get that report or we need to find a, a mental health professional that otherwise we don't really have access to, or we don't know where to turn, or we don't have those records. Like, how do you feel like this impacts that N of one provider and patient kind of on a day-to-day, -day, you know, very kind of micro-level basis? Wow, that's a that's a huge level question, right? Because that's really what we are also interested in. I mean, the big data for the profession, but as a providers, you, you want to be able to serve those patients. You want to be yep. able to do a better job. You want to 
be able to bring them back to health more quickly and, and how do you do that? And, and I think we th see that through a, a number of different realms. Um, but when we start talking about the individual doctors, I think the ability of have this large data set that's even outside of your own world and compare it to that particular patient. I think Brad, you and I talked a little bit about is it SNAP? Uh, and for, you're gonna you're gonna butcher I'm gonna butcher this, but is it SNAP <laughs> no. HX? Is that yeah, right? Good job. Uh, so you got That's SNAP sick. HX going on here, where basically you can take this big data set and through artificial intelligence, through AI, analyzes all this data and all of a sudden compares it to the patient that's sitting in front of them. So it takes the patient's data as, large, as well as a large data set and can begin to boil it down so that when the when the doctor walks into the room. They have better intelligence about the patient. They know what's happened other than just what the patient's telling them. I mean, how often, I'm guessing, and because I'm, I'm, I'm a patient, so I'm guilty of sin of this, but how often do you have a patient laying on the table, doc, and, and, and you ask them, how did you get hurt? And, and they go, why? I have no idea. I think it must have been sleeping last night. And you start talking to them, and you realize, no, they were working on their hardwood floors last night, right? Yeah. And then it just comes out in conversation while, while you're treating and adjusting, and all of a sudden you realize, okay, that's how it happened. So here's what, and, and you have more information. Now, that's incredibly anecdotal, but imagine if you had access to information that was beyond ourselves in that and, and what that could possibly do with the level of information and knowledge you have about the patient sitting in front of you. And, and I think you guys even just had a podcast about this last week on, uh, you know, the social determinants of health. That would be, yet an, you know, that would be another in, you know, in one factor, as you, as you just said, Jay, um, that I think really begins to, shift our mindsets from, um, you know, you know, hear about pain, hear about what happened and treat that one piece to be able to do exactly what chiropractic is, which is bring people um, back to health, right? We want our patients to be healthy and stay healthy. And so if we can help them do that, and the more data we have walking into the room, I think that's going to help our doctors get there. I agree. And I think the big data is critical. I love the comparative kind of analysis of, of identifying like where they were, where they are now and how, how we can continue to improve on their outcomes. But I also think of it at, at a very granular level. Like we had a patient who came in, he was a new patient. He was a veteran. He was having some significant issues. He was, he was referred by a friend. He's having significant issues. He came in and doing the history um, he said that he's suffering from PTSD from being a veteran. And in fact, he's had suicidal thoughts. And immediately I wanted to be able to connect with the mental health professional that's taking care of this, this hero of our country. And, and I didn't have that access, right? I couldn't immediately click on a button, find the medical record, look at what has happened with his psychiatric care and be able to assist in that process. Did I refer him back to the psychiatrist? Yes. Did I refer him into a social support group? Yes, but 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 I was still blinded. Essentially, I didn't have all the information. So yes, at a big level, the big data is critical for us. But it's also really important at for that n of one, that one patient that's walking into our office, that that piece of information that we can have access to from other healthcare providers can truly make the difference. And it could be life or death. Uh, it absolutely be life or life or death. It, but here's what's going to happen, guys. That we got a guard between, and, and I told the team at SnapHX this last week. Even though we're using AI to condense that down, the condensing may not be enough. You're talking about uh, points of entry that are going to be overwhelming for most f 
physicians. And it's going to continue exponentially to get that way. And so for companies like uh, QEH and SnapHX that we're going to have to continuously keep applying things like AI to keep presenting it to the physicians so that they are at that level, they see the layers that they need to see and want to see that are pertinent to them, but it's condensed in a way that is usable. Right. Or what will happen is it'll just be an overwhelming event for them and they'll blow it away. And we can't do that because the patient, I think, is the one that's not going to stop. They're going to want more and more and more, as we saw with the explosion of all the iPhone apps and uh, wearable devices over the last few years. They, they want it. And so software guys like me have got to keep, keep at it. It's not a one and done kind of thing at all, especially the chiropractic world where they've been so limited. And Jay, you put it in a great way. They, you've had blinders on and you're having to guess. And a lot of times patients don't want to fully tell the story. That's right. Sometimes they just can't recant, uh, recant it. Just like Mark said. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, guys, we're, we're running just a little bit late. Let's take another break, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. We're talking to Mr. Mark Abla and our data doc of talk, Dr. Jay Greenstein. He's got my back. He always seems to know right where I'm at. My friend Jose, he likes to play. He's always it's time for another episode of Healthcare Technology. You are listening to Tech Talk Healthcare. Today's guest is Mark Abla, the Executive Director for the Illinois Chiropractic Society with offices in Springfield, Illinois. Tech Talk is heard on Anchor FM and many other internet radio stations around the globe. Thank you for joining us. He always seems to know right where I'm at. My friend Jose. It's Tech Talk. You know, Dr. J. I got a, yeah, my friend Jose, that's great. But my friend, <laughs> the data doc talk, Dr. Jay Greenstein, Jay, <laughs> you know, I just love being around when we're here and interviewing guys like Mark and it, oh, man, it's, it's awesome. been a lot of fun, hasn't it? It's so awesome. I always learn so much every time we have a guest and, and today is definitely no exception. I always, always love learning from Mark. Yeah. So Mark, let's, let's, let's go down, let's open a door and go down a, a pathway that maybe is a little uncomfortable for you, but I think we need to talk about this. What, what's going to happen? What is the dark side of interoperability and data sharing? I mean, I hear that at conferences, you know, docs come up to me afterwards and nobody going to tell me what to do or <laughs> you know, I'm not participating in that. And I, I see this fracturing in, in the space, but I see it happening in the MD world too. Yeah, I, boy, in traditional yeah. medicine, it happens the same way, but you do have docs that have never really had to comply at this level. What, what, what is the dark side? What is the side that you see happening to that and, and what do you think? I think I've spent too many hours uh, researching this stuff, uh, to be honest. And no, but, you know, it's great. No, it's yeah, it's data. Uh, but no, I think I think the, the we we have some potential challenges. I think early on we talked about really these two uh, po potential realms for chiropractic, and one is the altruistic, what's what's good for the profession for the patient, and, and then the other one, which is compliance and how do we do this? And so I think some of the negative sides is, you know, we may have some doctors that, that really, they don't 
they they may they may choose not to comply, right? And and not to uh, uh, stand up their and have the right software to be able to uh, uh, to properly uh, communicate their data um, like they need to, and then. And so that's going to create a couple of challenges. I think we have a challenge with the patient, right? And then you also have a challenge with big data. And I think this, you know, as an association executive, I mean, w- one of our functions, it's not our only function by any stretch of the imagination, um, but, uh, you know, beyond education and information and, and providing networking opportunities for our doctors, of course, we had the advocacy side, right? We have to advocate for our doctors. And I think, um, I think one, of the, one of the negative sides is, um, is not having that data. And, and I know that seems, well, of course, Mark, that makes perfect sense. We already talked about that earlier as far as the, the importance of having the data. So, of course, not having it, we don't get that. But I think it leaves out, and this is the scary part that I see, is I believe that, if you will, our legislative opponents, they are going to have it. Yep. And so, you know, they sit down at a committee table testifying, and, and they say, well, what evidence do you have? And they go, well, we have this study, and we, and we reviewed – and, and similar to uh, the conversation, Jay, you and I had online, actually, uh, uh, regarding uh, uh, telehealth, uh, we, we reviewed 16.7 million patient records, and, and this is what we found, right? And it's just huge. So that's what they bring to the table, and then they turn to, to us as chiropractic physicians and say, well, what do you have? Well, we have a study that shows, and the study covered, uh, you know, uh, 1,244 lines. <laughs> and, and, and so... I think that, that's, the, that's the scary side, right, yep. is, is if we have doctors that choose not to comply, um, then we don't get the benefits, but also it can actually create harm um, and, and put us in really difficult spots. And, 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 of course, I'm even leaving out the most important portion of this, which is the patient, um, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, that, that's really one of the keys to all of this is, is helping the patients, providing information to the patients so the patients can then better improve their health. Yep, 100%. And imagine the policy decisions that get made because doctors don't comply, because we don't have access to that data. And then those policy decisions have longstanding strategic and tactical implications on the entire profession and the communities and patients that we serve. We cannot let this happen. Doctors must comply. They must understand the act. They must understand the technology. They must push their EHR vendors to comply with these regulations, and we must be part of the Cures Act. End of story. There you have it. Yeah, you I may completely have a, agree. You may have a generational ending thing here happens, Jay, because there may be a generation of providers, and I'm not going to say just chiropractic, there may be a generation of providers that just says, I'm done with this, hell no. No more of that. It, and that's okay. I mean, yep. there may be a split in time where, and it's probably will advance the profession. I, I see that I saw that happen under HIPAA. And mm-hmm. I think this will be one of those moment touch moments in time. Now, this isn't going to happen overnight, guys. This, this is years, but it's going to happen a lot faster than HIPAA did. It's going to happen a lot faster than the Affordable Care Act. As far as the technological side of it, it's going to happen relatively quick and uh i mean mark what do you you think this is going to push docs to say i'm not going to be involved in that i'm not i'm going to just do cash stay away from me uh does does the cures act uh, relieve them of that if they're they're not involved in insurance let me just ask it in that way are they obligated under cures act if a patient says i want my records is the doctor obligated to go out and get it yeah so yes great question yeah, that is a great question. Honestly, this this really has 
the Cures Act specifically deals with, actually, and we keep saying EHR, and I'm guilty of that completely, um, but it's actually EHI. Uh, it's, it's electronic health information. And uh, so basically, whenever you house electronic health information and you have it, then you're in. You're a provider of healthcare services, and so this, this applies to you. So, you know, um, what happens if, if a patient comes to you and asks for medical records? Well, it depends on how they ask for it, right? So I think in today's world, what we see is under HIPAA, uh, a patient can, can exercise what's called a right of access. And, and they can ask, and it doesn't matter what format, by the way, in this for, for HIPAA and right of access, even if you have paper records and they ask for it in electronic format, you have to comply. You have to give them some form of electronic format of, of those medical records, whether you take your handwritten notes and you PDF them and scan them and, uh, or scan them and PDF them and, and give them to them on a jump drive um, or email them or whatever the case might be, if they rest, request form under HIPAA, uh, right of access, you've got to give it to them. So that, that's one way, right? But really under the Cures Act, it's different. They actually require this massive data set, which, which probably several of our doctors are already going to be able to, to potentially provide in one form or another. Um, and that, that's, uh, the, what is it, the U.S. CDI uh, uh, data set that I think is under the, uh, current, uh, the current ONC uh, 2015 uh, certification. And so, uh, but they're also modifying it. They keep modifying it and changing it. So if it's if the certification is lapsed with your EHR, you may not be able to, 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 to handle that, but you still have an obligation if you're storing it to get them that data, and that's why it's really important. So how do they do it? And I think this is, this is where that practice side of things for our doctors and, and where it could get cumbersome depending on their software, uh, because they're actually, and this is where it gets strange, they can begin to, uh, to find a way because people will ask for it differently than what they have in the past. So in the past, they may email over request or fax over or mail a letter saying, send me your medical records. I believe what we're starting up very, very soon as, as API begins to come into play in, in April 5th, by the way, that's the information blocking deadline, but as the API begins to develop over the next, uh, well, in, over the next few weeks and over the next uh, 18 months after that, I, I think the requests are going to come differently. Uh, I think a lot of people see the Epic uh, MyChart app on their phone because they they have a uh, their local MD that they may see, and and I think you're going to see some of those apps like MyChart that'll say, "Are you missing medical records?" on a little button. They'll pop that. They'll pop that button. It'll it'll allow them to populate a physician name, uh, their last date of service, and and other identifying information and contact information for that particular physician. And then they'll hit send, and they've already given the app permission to collect that data for them. And then what's going to happen is, electronically, the app is going to request that information from the doctor in a specific format. That's what really some of this Cures Act, this portion of the Cures Act, that's what it's designed to do. It, and it instantly empowers the patient to be able to access that information in any app, any format that they really want to see it in, and what they've chosen. So our doctors are going to have to find a way to get it to them. If they can't get it into the exact format, they actually have to go through what's called a negotiation process with the app provider to make sure that they get it into some format that the, that the app developer wants for that patient. Um, all the way down to the, the lowest common denominator that's available under the exception is actually a quote-unquote computer-readable format. And so in some way or fashion, they've got to give them this EHI, right? It's not just records, but it's the entire data set of information. Um, and they've got to get it so that the patient then has access in the app that they like and that they want. 
Yeah, and it's you said something that's really important. I want to clue on is electronic. It is a taggable electronic transaction that's occurring in a request. It, it can't go away. It's not verbal. And, and so that means there's a lot of more substance to it than in the past. Uh, just to be sure, under USCDI, which is the standards on this, it will only be the data elements that, that they require. So it won't be all records. So it, it is just certain, but it's a pretty a pretty inclusive uh, data record set. You call it EHI, I call it EPHI because more doctors are familiar with protected health information, and so I just call it EPHI. It's an electronic protected health information record set. So it won't be, but it you, you, what you're saying is, I don't believe there's a way for a doctor to opt out of this. Do you? Uh, there, there are exceptions under certain circumstances, yeah, right? But in general. But, but you have to navigate those circumstances, or, or, or if they actually don't have any electronic health information. Now, the other thing I want to add to what you just said, because I think it's really important to say this. Um, you mentioned, you know, we're talking about the U.S. CDI data set. Um, that is today, or I should say that's April 5th when this comes into play. Uh, mm -hmm. But in 18 months after that, um, it's actually the full compliance data set. So it's more than just that USCDI data set. It's actually a broader, uh, you know, a broader uh, a data set of information uh, that's going to have to be provided. That's when, it, that's when um, you know, it gets even even more difficult. That's, um, that's, that's, 24, that's two years, isn't it, Mark? 24 months after that becomes the law? You know, after they bump the, uh, some of the deadlines, um, uh, you know that that that's that's possible, but uh, according to uh, um, according to the whole fire API capability, it's twelve thirty one twenty twenty two, and uh, uh, some of that. Uh, um, but even the first attestation, the conditions, of certification are required. That's that's one year. That's that's April twenty twenty two. So the, the EHRs have to be down the road. But I think maybe a little more than eighteen months after they delayed it in that in that rule in November. But um, but really, we're talking at the most two years. Even if we're talking two years, Brad, still fast. It's a pretty tight time frame. Yeah, it is for it, sure. And, and they do. There is a civil penalty per violation. Do you know what that is? Well, I, I know what it is for developers. Um, it's actually for for providers. It's different. It's considerably different. What for, is it? I don't know what it is. Tell me what it is. What's the penalty? For developers. It's a million dollars per violation. For developers? Yeah. Yes. For developers. And what a is it for providers? Per. Now, for providers, here's what's really interesting is, is they wanted to give everybody this time frame, right? So it's almost like having a speed limit sign and then having even police officers. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, it's less than a slap on the wrist, unless you're a MIPS or MAP, MACRODOC. If you're a MIPS or MAP or, uh, MACRODOC, then you'll get actually turned in for disincentive, right? It'll oh, lower your Medicare payment, right? Um, and, but for the MIPS and macro doctors, that's going to matter because they're large Medicare shops or large federally funded program shops. Mm -hmm. uh, on the flip side, here's what they did, though. It, they literally, they said, this is what we're doing, but we're going to issue rules and add in what they call CMP or civil money uh, monetary penalties. Um, we're going to add these in in a rulemaking process. Too. Uh, so they're going to add in uh, uh, pretty stiff penalties. Um, basically, this isn't a thing to avoid from a compliance standpoint, but it's also not a thing to avoid from a from an altruistic standpoint. What's good for uh, the profession? What's good for your office? What's good for your patient? All, 
all of those three things combined, what's good for them is that you participate and you find a way to make this work. Bro, there are some legitimate. Great. There are some legitimate exceptions to this. There, uh, a t where you can block information. So you know, there, the, the, it is the intent is to protect the patient, do no harm to the patient, but still give patient information to fulfill the data request on it. So there, yes. there are some exceptions. I mean, we're talking pretty cold <laughs> rules, but but the, you know, this will play out in, in a way. But fundamentally speaking, I think Mark's point is, is, and I'm hearing it loud and clear, and this has been, this has been a great learning experience for me, quite honestly, Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what you're teaching. Um, but fundamentally speaking, chiropractors need to participate, period, for the reasons that you just stated. Um, so I, I definitely, I definitely appreciate the education. I, I, as you were talking, I, I'm wondering, you know, especially as it relates to the future of chiropractic strategic plan, and or just being able to share this content with other state leaders, even national leaders. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about maybe like what's, what does that landscape look like? Are there plans to have any kind of webinars or any kind of additional continuing education around this? Like what, what, what are you doing to get the message out there besides just tech talk? Yeah, so, you know, the three of us know what, what Cairo Congress is. Uh, Jay, that's where you and I, I think, met years ago, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and where I became a, a Jay Greenstein fan, uh, to be quite honest. And a bright cosplay. It was either at, a, at an ACA event or, or at a Cairo Congress event where I met Brad in the hallway, and, and some random person introduced us, and, and the rest is history. And Brad's going, man, why did I walk down that hallway? <laughs> uh, but, uh, most, people, most people really don't know what Cairo Congress is, but it's actually, it's the, it's the Cairo, it is the, uh, the Congress of Chiropractic State Associations. In essence, it's the association that represents and helps other chiropractic state associations. And so that actually gives us uh, a way uh, to reach out. So uh, actually, we have a meeting come up on Friday with some of the key uh, uh, leaders um, to begin to disseminate this information better. Uh, it's almost like a miniature train-the-trainer type deal to get people to understand the importance of this um, because, it, you know, as Jay, Jay and Brad, as you and I have talked, um, not a whole lot of people are talking about this. And, and I'm not going to lie, for a long time, I've been questioning, you know, am I missing something here? Is, is there a reason why? And, and I think the answer keeps coming back to the same thing, which is, no, we've got to find a way to be a part of this because it's just too good, right? It's too important for the profession. It's too good for us. And so we're finding ways to, to equip our state associations and, and, and if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not a member of a state association, I'm really sorry because you're missing out. And uh, um, and you know, forget all of the altruistic, great reasons to be a part. There are selfish reasons that you should be a part as well. And uh, um, and and you don't want to miss out on some of that. And so I would encourage you to be a part. And so what we'll do is we'll, we're going to educate the state associations to be able to educate their members, and so we can really bleed this information out and make an impact. And so that people have a practical way to be able to implement this in their office and and. Uh, and not only that, but then realize the incredible benefits that we see coming down the pipeline. Yeah, that's awesome, Mark. You know, Jay, this needs to be um, a roundtable discussion at at uh, Cairo Congress in, in at the upcoming convention. I mean, it's that serious. And I, I want to jump back to what I said in the first section is it is an opportunity in my eyes like never has been before 
for the chiropractors to step up into the world and be included in those record sets to be part of it. But if they don't take action, it's going to be bye-bye. I think I'm afraid. And, and, and then you're going to be back to where you're at today. And, and this is why people avoid me in the hallway, to be honest, because, (laughs) you know, because I bring it right in front of their face sometimes, but I believe that this, you know, me, I'm always advocating, but I believe this is, don't you agree with this, Mark? This is a opportunity that hasn't occurred in several decades. Um, and a great opportunity for the chiropractic space. They all state associations need to be talking about this. Yeah. I, I, to that point, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been in the chiropractic space. I got, I got roped in actually by my chiropractic physician friend of mine at the time, and and uh, I've been doing this for about eighteen years. Uh, I haven't seen anything. In fact, I would, I would say, from a compliance standpoint, probably the biggest thing since HIPAA. Uh, I don't even know what it would compare to um, because of the possibilities. I, I, and and uh, maybe this is me being a geek and and geeking out a little bit over this stuff. But I think the data. That's why you fit in so well. <laughs> of possibilities are so fantastic and and honestly a privilege because over the last uh, as we've been doing this exploration um over the last handful of, of months I've, I've met so many people that are just so freaking brilliant um and know this stuff forwards and backwards um uh, the, the the importance of data and then and then have have software that that manipulate it to be able to improve the practices whether it be from a practice management standpoint or a patient outcome standpoint um, and uh, uh, that it that it's that it's fantastic. I, I can't even imagine what these same people, like you, Brad, with uh, with your SnapHX, um, what these same people are going to be able to do with even more data. Um, I think it's going to be just uh, tremendous for the profession. I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic to be able to. Um, yeah, we're the we're the Ford Model A now. I mean, we're at the beginning of a change that will go way past my lifetime. Uh, you know, just if if you look at technology and how it changes over generations from my grandparents, great-grandparents, grandparents, fathers to my generation, my kids, now my grandchildren's generation, if you just look at that from an analytical perspective uh, of the time frame of how technology changes, guys, in my grandchildren's uh, lifetime, technology will change at the rate of once every 24 hours. Uh, in, in our generation, my generation is changing once every 12 months. My parents was about once every decade and, and my grandparents about every quarter century, they change. And if you think about the airplane and the television and the radio and cars, I mean, that all happened in my mom and dad's lifetime. Uh, before that, just think of today, we can pull up our phone. I, I do that at every conference. How many of you have one of these? Because you're involved in technological change, whether you want to accept it or not. You've got to embrace it because it's going to come roaring like a freight train, guys. Yeah, we're going to need artificial intelligence implanted in our brain just to be able to deal with the rate of change. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Well, Mark, I mean, we're, we've, we've gone long, but I think it's really important, the message that you're going... All my other folks that are out there, all my state association directors, listen to this podcast. Yes. Jay and I will help formulate some ways to disseminate some of this information with Mark, how it's going to get out. 
Listen to what Mark's trying to say today. Hey, Brad. Brad, yeah. before we go, we have to we have to ask uh, Mark some personal questions. Ready? No, it was my next my next step. I was just oh. trying to I was trying right. to I was trying to get Sorry. our buddies Did, at the state association. But didn't mean to interrupt. No, no problem. Okay, Mark. Yes. Favorite superhero. Oh wow. Um, favorite superhero. I don't even know. I don't know who that would be. Who would be my favorite superhero? Wonder Woman. Um, I'm gonna go a little old school. Yeah, Wonder Woman. That's, <laughs> That's who um, he was streaming before it, yeah, before we went truth, live. The truth lasso, right? Um, I, I I don't know. Maybe I, I think we'd have to go. And this is this is humdrum, but let's go Superman or go DC. Is that because hey, he flies? Uh, probably. Yeah. Let's be honest. Mine's pretty proof. Cool. I mean, let's be honest. That's. Who and want that? I mean, who, who doesn't want that? So, right. Datadoc, what, who's your who's your super person? Oh, I don't know. I've I've not been a huge like superhero fan, but, but I always kind of I like Batman. I thought do Batman you? was a pretty cool dude. I love Bat. I love the Batmobile. Yeah, like the Batmobile is really cool. But I gotta agree with Mark. Like being able to fly, X-ray vision, and being bulletproof. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to be a superhero, it'd probably be Superman. That's that. What about you? You know, I, I guess growing up, Superman, I remember Superman, but I also remember those uh, afternoons. I can actually remember when Batman was an evening uh, TV show, <laughs> weekly TV show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's been some great sequels of Batman. That's a pretty uh, that's a pretty intriguing, dark, sort of a dark super person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They've... they've um... They've done a, an interesting because I remember when the first Batman series came out. I mean, I watched it as a kid, and um, it's it's definitely evolved and changed over time. All right, so we have we have two more two more personal questions for Mark. Brad, you go next. Okay, Mark. Uh, what do you want to know about Mark? Uh, Mark, are you married? And if you are, do you have children? <laughs> so yes, I am married. Um, I actually uh, I've got a bride of. Oh wow, um, COVID. Get, lost track 30 uh 31 years i think um, wow, cool. how long uh, that we've been married we actually have six kids um i have two that are married i've got one in college and i have three others that are uh 11 10 and and seven the 11 years 11 year old is definitely going on 16 already do you have grandkids uh, so grandkids i have no grandkids i have no grandkids and and as far as I know, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> Man, see Mark, how do you future. how do you have time so, to run an association? I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I actually my uh, and, and uh, those who have met my my wife and my lovely bride. And if you guys are going to be down in Tampa, you'll have a chance because I'm actually dragging my family down nice. um, uh, it, for Cairo Congress uh, for their mid year. But um, you know, my wife is the superstar of, of the family. I I you know. I get to be the cool dad, right? Um, but she is actually the super. She is the she is the Wonder Woman, right? Uh, of of my uh, of my family, and, and she holds us all together. And she puts up with me, and that says something about her, right? I mean, you guys For sure. Know, today we were awfully serious, uh, but I'm very seldom serious. I'll send her an email to have her be sure to listen to this episode. <laughs> Oh yeah, the beginning especially. That, that'd be exactly, great. exactly. That'd be okay, yeah. I got one more for you. I got one more for you. If you were not an executive director, an elite executive director of a chiropractic association, what would you be if you could be anything in the world? You know, I said this before, man. I, I uh, um, I've been doing this for for eighteen years. I love association work. I thought I was going to hate it when I first got dragged in. 
And uh, I've, I've turned out, I love association work. I, I love uh, uh, I love being an, an association executive for, for the chiropractic world too. Um, you know, I, I tell I tell our doctors all the time that, you know, for some of them, I have more time invested in this profession than they do. Of um, and, and I'm okay with that. I, I love that actually. And um, on the flip side, I, I think I would end up being an association where we do some not-for-profit work and, and bettering some areas. And um, But one way or another, I'd, I'd be involved in some level of not-for-profit work, I think. just I, I love helping people and helping their lives and improving life so well you know what brother you are world class at it my friend you are world you are class i don't know about Kudos that but i'm around i here's the best part and i mean this i surround myself with people that are a heck of a lot smarter than myself that's why we're all three on the call and why i talk to so many other people and 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 so many other state association executives because because uh, you know we have we have i think just this this beautiful uh, uh set of people that that go wholly unrecognized and I yeah. get the privilege of serving with them. It's it's unbelievable uh, what we see coming out of you know Michigan, North Carolina, and their exec- in their in their association executive realm in Florida. Uh, we see it in, in in Colorado, Kentucky, Nebraska. I could keep going. Washington, um, yeah, Virginia, Maryland, Wisconsin, yeah, Virginia, Maryland. I mean, yeah, these are the areas that you guys know. And and we get the privilege of working with some brilliant doctors and other and other people in the industry. So it's you know that's why I've got to surround myself with guys like you. I'm just uh, I'm just the guy at the control board. You know that's really all I <laughs> that's all I am. Just the control board. Well, guys, it's it's we've got to wrap this up. We've gone really long, but I think it's been a, an amazing learning session. Uh, guys, if you're listening to Tech Talk, we're trying to grow it. We're trying to reach that thousand plays out there. Uh, go onto our Facebook, like us, go to uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Anchor FM, like us, leave us some comments, ask questions. If you want to be a guest, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, I know you've got a really busy sort of a trifecta of presentation for the next week, dude. And uh, I do, man. It's busy. You are going to be hammered in that deal, but... Um, I'm excited for you because I know these a couple of these are really big passion things for you, aren't they? Oh, yeah. We're doing CalCairo. Really just going to be talking about how to drive revenue through mobile applications. So, you know, I know a little bit about that. Then on that's Thursday. Then on Friday um, is going to be the Texas Chiropractic Association where we're going to be talking about patient expectations and behaviors post-COVID. There's a, a really some great research out there on what consumers are expecting from service providers and and how do we apply that really good information that's garnered from world-class consulting organizations like Deloitte and McKinsey and Proficient. How do we take that information and apply it in our practices? And then on Saturday is the Professional Football Chiropractic Society. I'm super excited about that too. First time I've actually done this presentation, which is really about um, it's, it's called Under Further Review, the Science of Adaptability and Behavior Change. And I think if we, if we ever have needed to be adaptable in our lives, it's really right now. Like it's going through this pandemic and all the strife and challenges that we face in our country today and understanding how important adaptability is and how we use and build that skill to have a healthier, happier life. So I'm super excited for these presentations this week. You know, just great. a great example of why I got to surround myself with you, which I mean, like a freight yeah. train ran over me in that, that deal. <laughs> and we haven't talked about football in a while, but it's not <sighs> going to be long before that season's coming up, right? 
Dude, I got spring game on my calendar already. I know, I know it's like <laughs> April 17th. I, I'm like, I already know I'm watching spring game. You know, I'm going to try to get you out for uh, Oklahoma State University football game this fall. I know, We've got, uh, they haven't announced whether they're going to have in-person games yet. Uh, you know, I might be able to pull a shenanigan on the backside and, and, and we'll have a great, we'll have a great time. Uh, yeah, maybe Courtney's we can talk, come. maybe we can talk TikTok and data at, at some of the Oklahoma stuff at the same time, but for sure we'll get <laughs> you, that. we'll try to get you out for that football game and give you a, show you what a true university is supposed to look like, you know? <laughs> I'm looking forward. Hey, the, the other OSU, right? Yeah, the other OSU. Yeah, well, at least we're both OSU uh, fans, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, listen, guys, it's been fun. Hold on. Mark looks perplexed. We ha- I, I'm perplexed. I'm trying to figure out the other. Please, I'm just hoping and praying that it's not what I'm thinking. It is what you're thinking. I'm a huge Ohio State Buckeye fan, bro. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that yeah. is so awful. <laughs> of all the things. I mean, Oklahoma then, State, that's fine, right? But oh, oh wow! Then yeah, don't sorry, listen man. to us in the fall because we devote at least three or four minutes to updates on the football schedule, buddy. <laughs> Guys, listen, Fantastic. it's it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Tune in to TikTok. We try to be here every week for you on Friday afternoon. TikTok from Doctor J Greenstein. I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. See y'all. Today's show is sponsored by the Illinois Chiropractic Society. If you are a chiropractic physician in Illinois and always trying to juggle business challenges with great patient care, look to the Illinois Chiropractic Society's wealth of resources, education, promotion, activism, and professional guidance to help you overcome those challenges and experience greater practice vitality. Consider the Illinois Chiropractic Society today at ilcairo.org. Come on! And the Data Doc of Talk is Tech Talk.